Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. God's good, amen? Man, I love him so much because he first loved me. God has done so much in my life, and, and just going back, I, I remember all the things that God has done in my life, and it's so important for us all to realize and remember all the things that God has done that has brought us to this moment. And even in the dark times and the bad times, God's brought us through because of his great love. God loves you so much. And in Acts chapter 2, verse 6, it says this, And when they heard the sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. And as Pastor Don mentioned, last week Pastor Cody was talking about um, praying for our nation. And it was incredible. I love hearing Pastor Cody teach because he's got such a great depth and uh, a way of, of teaching us. And, and it challenged me to have a, more of an active prayer life for our nation. And, and because, as Pastor Don mentioned, this is a perfect time for us to start praying for our nation and for our leaders and for those in authority. Because as you guys know, you watch the news and stuff, we're, right now we're very, it's not unified. We're called the United States of America, as Pastor Cody talked about last Sunday. And, and we need to be united now more than ever. And praying for our leadership, praying for our country, praying for us uh, as a nation is so key and so important that even Jesus talked about it and, and Paul wrote about it in, in uh, the book of Romans. And, and so I'm, I'm excited because of the series because it's, like Pastor said, it's going into August 5th, which is our 21 days of prayer. And I love uh, praying. Praying is, is a staple in, in my life. I pray constantly. It's usually not these long, drawn-out prayers. I'm usually just praying as I go um, uh, throughout my day and asking the Lord, Lord, lead me in this situation, or Lord, what do I do now? Or I'm just, I'm just constantly in communion with the Lord, and it's important for us uh, to develop that in our lives because prayer works. Prayer is powerful. Prayer, it changes things. And what it is, is, is us communing with God and God communing back to us. And God loves to talk to us as well. Um, today I'm going to be talking, especially um, it, it's important because I imagine that you guys might have experienced this um, being 4th of July uh, last uh, Wednesday. And you probably had a party, a, ce a, a celebration and you probably had some people that were too loud, too drunk, and too rude uh, that showed up near or around your party, or you were that person, and, 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 and somebody, you were either praying this prayer or somebody else was praying, Lord, just do something about them. Lord, save them. Lord, send them away or kill, I mean, um, uh, do something. And you were aggravated at it. And so today I want to talk to you about the aggravated prayer. And you all have done it, I've done it, where you're just aggravated and you're like, Lord, ah, you know, do something. It's either for that too loud, too drunk, too rude person, or you're somebody in your family and that, that hasn't experienced the love of Jesus yet. And today I want to talk about that. And, and speaking of, of praying for, uh, for people, let's, let's open up in prayer. Father, I thank you, Lord, that today is the day that you have made, and I will rejoice in it because today is the day that your mercies are new and your love for me is refreshing and overwhelming. 
I pray, God, that everybody in this place would experience your love in a great way and that we would open our hearts to hear the truth and to receive the truth and that we would know that you love us above all things. But Lord, also teach us today in what you have to speak to your people. And everybody said, amen, amen. So I want to clarify what I said about um, the aggravated prayer. And uh, I imagine many of you, like I said, had that too rude, too loud, too drunk person that showed up to your party and you were praying that way. And, but I want to tell a story about my own life. Uh, when, uh, within the first seven months of my marriage, that Christina and I got married, and we were, uh, had an apartment complex uh, we were staying at, and we were on like the top level. I forget if it was the third or fourth, and it was all stairs, and it was all very open, and they were all, you could hear everything that was being, you know, shared, or, you know, somebody's tap dancing. Thankfully, we were on the top floor, so everybody heard our tap dancing. And, uh, and but one couple uh, moved in, and below us, directly below us, and they loved death metal, Where's my death metal fans in here? Any, any metal heads in here? Right? Yeah. Yeah, right? Um, I can do that too. I was once had long permed hair. Um, if you would imagine um, in the early 90s, do not judge me. I have destroyed all pictures, so there's no proof. Um, yes, it was long and permed, and it was a mullet, but we won't go there too much. And so, um, but they played death metal, and they would do it at like two in the morning. And they would invite, you know, friends over, and they would have these parties, and it's probably like your 4th of July party, and, it, and, and how do I um, delicately say this, but they would get high all the time. I mean, they were just smoking, hot housing their place. I'm the outreach pastor, so I can talk about this. And um, they would just smoke so much that the whole, like, our whole wing of the apartment complex would literally get high, and we would wake up, and we're just like, because... You know, we're California. There's not many, um, you know, in the apartment complex. We, I don't think we had an air conditioning unit. So we had our, you know, windows open during the summer. And, and you know, we would wake up completely just mellow. I don't know why. And, and um, so, you know, after complaining for a while, uh, you know, to my wife, which was not that, you know, loud or complaining. It was very chill uh, arguing and stuff about this. Uh, we... Finally, she's like, well, why don't you do something about it? And, and, um, and I was like, you know what, I'm, I, I'm going to. I'm going to go down there. I'm going, to, I'm going to do something. And I'm the outreach pastor, so you know what I did. I went and uh, I, I led them to the Lord, right? I was like, Jesus loves you. No, I didn't do any of that at all. I just called the cops. <laughs> and, and, and so instead of, of, of going down there and talking about it, I just called the cops and, and the dispatcher's on the phone and, and she's, you know, sir, state your emergency. I was like, I have pot death metal hippies underneath me and you need to do something about it. And, you know, and she's like, sir, I can't really uh, do anything about that. And so I was after, a, you know, a brief uh, chill debate with her about, about coming and sending a police officer out. She's like, I'm not going to. And finally, this is what she said. She said, well, what have you done about it? And in that moment, I had an enlightening, a, a moment of enlightenment. And I, when she said, well, what have you done about it? I realized, oh, well, nothing. Oh. And she's like, well, I'm not going to do anything about it either. And she never did. And cops never called and anything. And so the next night, I went down there and I knocked on their door. 
and they didn't hear it at all. And I pounded on their door and they didn't hear it at all. And that's as far as it went. And we moved, uh, you know, six months later. But, um, <laughs> but, and that's the end of that story. Nothing exciting. And, but I realized, though, the importance of doing something about it instead of just trying to throw off um, or shirking my responsibility. So today I want to talk to you about the aggravated prayer. And a lot of times in life, what we do is, is, We've, we, we cast our, our care on the Lord because he cares for us and it's so important and, and that's what we're supposed to do and we're supposed to pray for people. You know, the Bible says pray without ceasing. In another place it says uh, pray for, for all men everywhere. And, and, and you know, so we know that we need to pray but a lot of times what I found is in my own life I would, I would cast the prayer up to the Lord and just expect him to do everything. And, and this is what it says in James chapter 2 verse 17. It says this, in the same way, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. And in another translation, it says, faith without works is dead also. And what I recognize is when I'm going to the Lord, there needs to be an action. There needs to be a step or a process in which I'm acting in faith about certain things. Because have you ever been there where you just prayed that prayer, Lord? Oh, don't raise your hand because I know none of you have ever done this. You've always, you know, had action and, and just declared in faith that, you know, your neighbors are, are, are loved and holy and, and, and godly. And I know that you've just been praying that how much you love them. But, and I know you haven't done this, but if you've ever uh, done it like I have, uh, where you're, you're trying to get someone else to fix your problems, and, and my kids are great at that. Uh, my kids will come up to me and, Dad, you know, can you, do the, can you do this for me, basically? And I'm like, no, I can't do that. It's just making your bed. Make your own bed. I'm not making your bed for you. And they're like, Dad, can you, can you, you know, make me breakfast? Make your own breakfast. You're 12 years old. Go make your own breakfast, you know, or, or, or you know, those kind of things. Dad, can you show? Then they start learning. Can you show me? Dad, can you show me how to do this? No. I already showed you 15,000 times. Go do it to yourself. <laughs> and... And I know none of you have ever done that with God, though. When you're praying, you know, Lord, save this person, you know, that too loud, too drunk, too rude person. And you're like, Lord, just save them. Just save them, Lord. And I know you've never, you've done that because you've always been like, Lord, I just pray that you would, you know, do this the right way. But um, what we have to realize, though, about praying for people, especially when we're very close to the situation, when we're... Um, maybe it's a loved one, uh, uh, maybe a son or a daughter or a, uh, you know, aunt, uncle or your own spouse or, or whatever the, the situation is. And we're going to the Lord and, and we've been just begging him and asking him, Lord, why haven't you saved them yet? And, and we're going to them and Lord, just, just rescue them and, you know, sh you know show them your love and, and this. But Lord, just, just, you know, do it. What I've discovered is that the Bible actually never says it never says to pray that God would save people. And sometimes we, we ask God out of aggravation because we don't think he's answering us when the whole time he's like, I've already answered you in my word. Now I want to take a side note for a second. The Bible is the most important thing that you could ever read in your life. And if all you do is pray, which is incredibly important, which I just told you, I pray constantly. I'm always praying because I found the importance of it. But if I'm not praying what, what the Bible tells me, then I'm doing something wrong. See, this is the book. See, praying is us talking to God and, and us like just listening for a while and listening. But this is the straight up word of God to you. 
And God knew from the, before the foundation of the earth what you needed to hear, what you needed to know to be effective in this life and even for that which is to come. And he put it, and he inspired all these people, all these different men, uh, about 40 or so, different men who wrote about the same thing. The impossibility of it is incredible, but God still did the impossible and inspired men to write down things that were, did not contradict, even though they'd never met each other. And all speaking about the same person, which is Jesus. And then he, Jesus came along, put, uh, uh, took off his divinity and lay, or laid aside his Godhead and put it uh, on humanity, came down and started teaching us and breaking all of these, these, these quasi-religious molds that we got ourselves into. And he came and he taught us how to pray. And if you and I are, are trying to pray prayers because somebody told us this is how you pray or, or based on our own experiences and we haven't attached what the Bible says to our prayers, then we're not praying in a way that will get our, our prayers answered. Because God answers prayers with what the word says. That's why this is the most important way. Because it's like, if my kids say, hey dad, you told me that I could have $5. I'm like, yeah, I told you if you, you know, do all your chores and your allowance, even though my kids don't get an allowance, I'm just using this as an example. No, that's your stinking job, do it. Um, but um, if they come to me and say, dad, can I have my $5? But I'm like, I told you how to get your $5. And actually I have a, a deal with my son right now um, to wash my car. If you wanna wash my car, which I like to do, um, personally, so I'm letting you wash my car, I'll pay you $5. And he's like, that's not enough. Uh, whatever, you're not worth it, kid. Go get a real job then. And uh, you'll find out real quick how much you're worth. And he wants $20 to wash my car. Uh-uh, $20, no. Here's a dollar, now go do it because I'm telling you. Um, but if I tell him you have to wash my car and you have to do it this way, but then he just comes up to me without washing my car and says, can I have $5? I'm not gonna give him $5. And it's not because I'm angry, but because I'm, I'm, I'm showing him the right way to do something. Or if I tell him over there is, is, a, is a gift that I'm giving you that's free. If you go this way, take a left and take a right, then right there you'll find it underneath the street lamp. And if my son decides to go left and then right and then turn around and come back to me and say, hey, where's my, you know, I wanted my gift. I told you how to get it. It's the same thing with, with the Bible. God told us how to have our prayers answered and how to be effective in prayer. We need to be effective in prayer. See, if we do things that he never said to do or go about doing things the way he says not to, we cannot expect to have our prayers answered. But if we pray in according to his word, we can expect our prayers to be answered every time. Because we're praying his promises, his word, his truth out, and we're saying, okay, Jesus, you said here in your word, and so therefore I'm praying this, and I know because you said it, and you said whatsoever I pray, and according to your will, I'll have whatsoever things I pray for. So I know that according to your word, because you said it here, here, and here, that I can pray this, and that prayer is gonna be answered, and God's all, you're absolutely right, here. And we have, prayer is effective. And I found growing up, that I used to pray all the time and I would pray like these outrageous things and I always wondered why God never answered my prayers. And maybe you've been there where you're just wondering why God isn't answering your prayers, especially when it comes to saving your loved ones. When the, but this is what the Bible says. So how do we pray the Bible way? Luke chapter 10, verse two. 
And this is what Jesus was telling when he was with all of his disciples. And he said, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Notice that Jesus never said to pray that God would save the lost. Jesus said to pray for people to be sent out. He told his disciples how to pray. He's like, pray therefore that God would send out believers into the path of unbelie- those who are, who are in need of Jesus' love. Pray that God would send people out to share the love of Jesus to them. And so when we're just praying, God, I pray that you would save the lost, he's saying to you and me, I already have. Now what are you going to do to tell them? See, now, I'm not saying not to pray for your loved ones, not to pray for, for those who don't know Jesus yet. I'm not saying not to do that, but what I am saying, when you want to be effective in, in how to pray that they would be, now pray like this. Lord, I pray that you would send somebody into their path, Lord. I pray that, God, that you would send somebody that would share your love and, and, and pray, God, that they would hear the truth of, in love and that that truth would go into their heart, Lord, and they would, they would receive that truth and they would hear it in such a way that, that they would recognize how much you care for them and you want a relationship with them. And, God, I pray that they wouldn't be hardened uh, against, against you because of all the pain and the experiences maybe they've had in life and that the enemies brought their way, but I pray, God, that you would send sensitize their heart in a way to receive the love of Jesus. And you're praying for them, not that they'll get saved, but you're praying differently. You're still praying for them, but you're praying in an effective way that Jesus is saying how to pray. We need to be effective because right after Jesus prayed that prayer, Pray that the Lord would send out the believers into the harvest field to, to do the work of the, of the ministry, to save, get people, you know, the truth and that they would lead them to Jesus. Right after that, Jesus sent out the disciples. Right after that. See, Jesus told us how to do it and then he demonstrated how to do it. It's an important fact that we need to realize that God wants to send people into the world to reach the lost with the, his life, love, and power. Amen? God wants people to recognize that he loves them so much. See, Jesus did the ultimate work of salvation when he died and rose from the grave. But now the rest of the equation is up to you and me. See, we're praying through it, and we're praying for for people, and then we're taking also the responsibility and realize, oh, Jesus is sending me out. Now, here's also a way that we can shirk responsibility. Lord, send somebody into their path, and we're praying, you know, that the Lord would send somebody, and that, you know, just as I was, I was demonstrating a second ago, but then we never put ourselves in the equation. And, and then we realize that our faith is without works, and it's dead, it's being alone, it's ineffective, because we're not putting ourselves into the equation. In fact, in Isaiah, um, the prophet Isaiah had a vision of the Lord, and the Lord was saying, whom shall I send? There's nobody around. Nobody wants to go out and, and tell the truth. And Isaiah is looking around, and there's nobody, and he's like, well, Lord, here am I. Send me. And we need to have that same mentality and realize that if we want to be effective at sharing the love of Jesus with people that have never experienced his love, we need to be ready to go out and be sent out by him. And not even just wait to be sent out. Let's just go out. I'm the outreach pastor, right? You know, my whole job is to, to, to motivate you to, to reach out. Reach out and touch me. Okay. 
So let's look at some people, and everybody born after the year 1987 did not know what I was just singing. God bless the 80s. All right, um, at least the music, not the style. So let's look at some people who had to deal with people who were ruining their day. Because, you know, we're, we're so used to praying for, for people that annoy us, that, that, that do things to us, and, 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 you know, Lord, save them, whatever. And let's look at some, uh, um, some people that it just had a really bad day and how they prayed. So Peter and Paul, in the book of Acts, chapter 4, verse 29 through 31, Peter and Paul just went, into the, went, in, went up to church. And I want to point this out real quick. They went up to church the hour of prayer. In other words, they had a specific time of the day that they set aside to pray. And Pastor Cody was teaching us last week about how he started setting up, I believe, seven o'clock, right, in the morning? God bless you. And, and seven o'clock in the morning, I don't even think the sun's up at seven, is it? I mean, not, not during the summer, at least. I mean, during the summer, the sun get, comes up at 9 a.m., I'm pretty sure of it. Um, <laughs> anyway, and, and, but he sets aside a time to pray. And if you're really busy, and like I know all of you are, and you've got, you know, work, and you've got maybe kids, and you've got, you know, recreational activities, you need to set aside a time to pray. It's so important to, to pray consistently, because you're going and you're sharing your heart with God, and you're sharing all the things, your, your frustrations, your joys, your hurts, your, 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 your wants, your desires, your love. You're, you're going out and you're pouring yourself out to him, and, and he's going out, and in return, he's pouring himself out to you. And, and if you think that your prayer only needs to be you talking, then you need to reevaluate that God wants to talk to you as well, especially in prayer. Prayer should not be one way. It should be both ways. That's what, that's what communication is. My wife taught me that. It's not a narrative. It's two ways. Oh, yeah, that's right. I have to let you talk, too. And I'm a preacher. I, I do a lot of, of talking. But in, in Acts chapter 4, verse 29, we see them going up to pray. And they run into a, a, a man who was, uh, was paralyzed, and he's like, can I have some money? They're like, I ain't going to have money. I'm a preacher. And I'm kidding. And uh, they're like, can I, can, can I heal you? And they say, I don't have any money, but in the name of Jesus, be healed. And, and the man rose up and walked. But the thing is, he'd been there every day. And so everybody in church knew him, and, um, and, he, and they're like, man, what happened? And so the religious order came along and so like, how'd you do this? And they're like, well, Jesus healed him. And they're like, you can't say Jesus. And they took sticks and they threw him in jail and then they beat him. Have you ever been beat for just saying, well, Jesus healed him? You know, for getting somebody healed, you lay hands on somebody and they're healed and suddenly like it's a noticeable miracle and they were paralyzed and they're walking and then somebody says, you can't do that. <laughs> Have you ever had that? And then on top of that, they beat you with a stick. Have you, has anybody ever experienced that besides me? Okay, I have never actually experienced that before, but, but they were having a bad day, and this is what they said. So they got arrested, got let go after they got beat, went back home and started praying uh, with their friends, and this is what it says in Acts chapter, 49, or chapter 4, verse 29. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after they played, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. See, this prayer they, was prayed right after they were beaten, and it was not about the Lord making people stop. Now, if anybody can be aggravated at what just happened to them in life, if, if there's any injustice in life, 
the guy was paralyzed and is now healed. And you're beating me? I mean, that's injustice right there. That's just wrong. And, but they didn't pray that the beatings would stop. They didn't pray that those people would die. They didn't pray that, that those people would leave them alone or move away. Or They prayed that God would give them boldness to speak his word. They prayed that God would do something in and then through them. They took responsibility. Faith without works is dead, being alone. But they took responsibility and, and, and did action. And this is what I want you to see. They prayed that God would use them to be the answer. See, they wanted God to answer their prayer, which God does. But in this case, when they were praying for, for those who hadn't met Jesus yet, they prayed that they would be the answer. God, enable us. Enable us to speak your word with boldness. And then love on them. And I see that because he says, God, reach out your hand and do works through us and heal them and, 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 and perform miracles and signs and wonders in their midst. They're praying because they want to be the answer. And then they wanna, they're praying because of love, that God would demonstrate his love to them. There's nothing wrong with praying for your family or friends. But we just need to add, instead of saying, Lord, save them, we need to be praying that God would send somebody into their path. And we need to pray that, there are, that you know, their hearts would be sensitive. And, and if we've done anything wrong, then we need to pray, God, help them to forgive us when we go and ask for their forgiveness. And, or we need to pray for their restoration in, 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 with us in that relationship because they, you have influence in their life. We need to be praying for them in love, praying for them that, that God would send us out, show us what to say, how to say it, and that God would demonstrate to them their love or his love through us, just like the disciples prayed here. So how should we pray for people who need Jesus? How should we pray it? Well, I want you to see this because it's very important. We need to speak their language. We need to speak their language. Speak their language. And if you have uh, the, the live notes on the app, you can be following in. There's, there's fill in the blanks. The underlined word is the fill in the blank word if you want. And it's really cool because the, on the app, you can actually email the notes to yourself so that way you remember the things that you're learning. It's the same reason why you take notes in school and college and those fun things. And it's so important that you do this. And, and, and it's a great tool that you can go back and, and read the notes on this as well. But in Acts chapter two, verse one through six, it says this. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard the sound, a crowd came together in bewilderness because each one heard their own language being spoken. They heard their own language being spoken. Now I'm going to share a scripture that, that Paul stated um, in, uh, later on. But we need to understand that people have a different way of understanding than, than 
well, everybody, all different types of people in the world, right, and around us. And, and I'm not going to talk to a doctor in mechanic speak. No, I'm not a mechanic. I'm not mechanically inclined, but I just had my car into the shop, and I got my front end fixed. It was, you know, the struts were out, and I got it fixed. And, and, um, and I, so I, I, I heard, you know, a creaking. And, and we're not going to go into the, into the doctor and say, man, doc, my left strut is creaking and probably needs to be replaced. And expect him to understand that we're saying, my left knee's got arthritis, doc and I need it checked out. We're, we're not going to expect a doctor to hear what we say or, or, or understand what we're saying if we talk in, in that way. In the same way as this, I'm, not, I'm a preacher, right? I'm not going to go out and, and stand on a soapbox, and, and if you've ever done this, uh, I'm not bashing you or anything like this. I'm just not going to do it. And I'm not going to go stand on a soapbox and, and say, you are a sinner and be Burnt for all time unless you repent. Repent or be damned forever. I'm not going to go and speak Old English. No, I grew up, I learned how to speak uh, Old English from the King James Bible. I, I read all those words and I, I learned, you know, you know, all those words in the, New King ja- or in the King James Bible. You know, the ones that you can't say in church anymore. And they were all in the Bible. I did. I learned them all from, from the King James. And, and, and if you read the King James, that's good. You know, Paul did, Jesus did, but I don't. And if, if you don't understand what the Bible's saying, you can go get yourself a, you know, a different translation, like the New Living Translation or the NIV. Something that you understand. Um, and it, it, it's just fine. But we can't expect people to understand us if all we're going to say is, you know, Christianese or, or and, and there's nothing wrong with the words like sanctification. They need to know the principle though. I'm not going to expect somebody to be like, you need to be sanctified today. The sanctification process of ramification of the deity in you is, is not working right now because you're, you know, in sin or something. I'm not going to go talk like that to people on a soapbox. I'm just not going to. I can't even think that way anymore. You know, I haven't read the King James in like 15 years. So I, like, I don't remember how to talk. But we need to speak to people where they're at. And in fact, this is where Paul talks about it. Um, Before I say that, see, if we truly love people and care about them and want them to understand who Jesus is and experience their love, we need love to compel us. See, love compels me to speak people's language. The Spirit of God enables me to speak their language. That's what that scripture was all about. They were reaching out to people without even knowing it, but the Spirit of God enabled them to speak their language. People were hearing them in in their own language. And and the same way Paul, in 1 Corinthians 9, verse 22, it says this, I have become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. Paul was talking about being relatable. He's like, to a Jew, I act like a Jew. To somebody who's not a Jew, I act like a non-Jew. To somebody who's out of the law, I, don't, I, I, I act this way. But he's not saying I break the law. He's just saying I relate to them so they can relate to me and hear the gospel in a way that they can understand it and receive it. So we need, to, we need to, our words to be seasoned with salt. And we need to speak to people in ways that they can understand it's so important that we do that. See, the mark of a follower of Jesus is that they are identified by love. Love must be our greatest quality. Love must be our greatest quality, and love will compel us to be relatable. 
We must be relatable to people. We can't just go off and, and, and say it's us within these walls and you can stay out and, and I don't you know, need to talk to you or I'm not going to care unless you come and conform to be like me or my view of what you, know, you should act like. We can't do that. See, Jesus left us with two great commandments. Love your neighbor as yourself and love God. Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus was saying, well, who's your neighbor? And he goes into a long story about who his neighbor is. And basically what Jesus was saying, that your neighbor is anybody that you come across. And even those who aren't even really around you, your neighbor is people. We cannot pick and choose who to love. We can't even pick and choose who to reach out to. We just need to reach out. We need to reach out because people are our neighbors. Now, I hate to say this or have to say this in church, and I know it doesn't apply to anybody here, um, but there is no room for racism, prejudice, or bigotry in the life of any follower of Jesus. People are our neighbors, and if we judge people because of their social or economic status or the color of their skin or their smell or their language or their country of origin, then we have got a serious problem, and we need to take it up with our maker because Jesus loved all people. He reached out to the Samaritan who was considered an outcast of Jewish culture because he was a half a Jew and half a Gentile, and they were shunned by the Jews, and Jesus even reached out to them. Jesus reached out to lepers who were complete outcast that you couldn't even be around them within like 50 feet. You were not allowed to be around a leper and Jesus went and touched them. Jesus reached out to people. So how can we do anything else but that? Because people are our neighbors. People of all kinds of all, you know, cultures are our neighbors. If we are commanded to pray for all people like Pastor Cody taught us uh, last week, uh, because God desires that all men come to the knowledge of him. That's why in John three sixteen it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believes in him will have everlasting life. The Bible says that on, for a reason. So if, if we're supposed to pray, then how can we keep ourselves out of the action? We cannot keep ourselves out of the action. We need to have responsibility and act on our own prayers. And if we're not praying for the, our neighbor, if we're not praying for our coworker, then this week, this, this month of summer prayer focus is, is a perfect time to really start and focus in and even just elect a time of the day and just go in and start praying. You know, I'm going to pray for my, my coworkers or my neighbors for, you know, three minutes, you know, and if three minutes is a long time to pray, start with one minute. And, and, then, and then go from there. And, you know, I'm going to pray for my nation for, you know, 30 seconds and then grow to like 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes for that. And, 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 and we, we need to be getting that down. But then while we're praying, we need to pray it this way. Lord, I pray that you would send people out that love you, that know you, that would reach people for you and share the love of Jesus in a way that they can receive and come to love you too. We need to be praying those prayers. We can't pawn off that responsibility ourselves. See, I pray this way, and I, pray, I try to pray it every day, and I'm gonna close with this, is that I pray, Lord, and my wife is actually the one that, that taught me this, Lord, send me to the one. Who is the one today that needs to know you, needs to experience your love? Lord, send me to that one. And I pray, and when I pray that prayer, 
I then expect God to send me to that one. I say, Lord, send me to that one, and then I go and act, and I just go about my day because I know the Lord's gonna bring me in contact with somebody that needs to experience his love. But I'm saying, Lord, I'm taking that responsibility in action because we need to take responsibility in our prayers. So what do I want you guys to remember in closing? I want you to remember four things. And it's not, unfortunately, it's not up on the live notes, um, but I want you to remember it this way. There's four things that I want you guys to remember, and number one is this. Pray that God would send out believers to encounter people. How do you pray and what do you pray for? Pray that God would send laborers into the harvest field. The harvest is just people, and that's just an analogy for people. When I say harvest, I'm meaning the world. Say, say, pray to God, Lord, send out people into people's past to love on them and show them the love of Jesus. Number two, be ready to be sent out. Be ready to be one of the people that you're praying for. <laughs> you need to be ready to take action. And, and if that's uncomfortable for you, remember in, in Acts chapter one, verse eight, the spirit of God comes and fills us to make us bold witnesses. He comes and makes us bold. And before, when I was, before I was 16 years old, I was a shy, awkward kid. When I prayed and said, Lord, uh, give me, uh, I pray that you would fill me with your Holy Spirit and make me bold. Literally, I, 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 almost overnight, I turned into this person. And I'm not saying that's going to happen to you, but literally the Lord turned, like, help me get out of my shell and reach people. And he put different situations into my path to help grow me because I was willing to take action in my prayer. Faith without works is dead. So I had works. Number three, don't discriminate to whom you were sent. There's no reason to not love somebody if you're being sent to them. Well, the Lord told me I got to go talk to you, so I'm talking. <laughs> Glory to God, I hate you. But no, we can't do that. You know, we can't. We can't discriminate. And number four, let love compel you to speak their language. Let love compel you and the spirit of God enable you to speak their language. Because God wants to give you the ability and teach you what to say when you're reaching people and show them their love. So number one, uh, pray that God would send out believers. Number two, be ready to be one of the sent out ones. And number three, don't discriminate to whom you are sent. And number four, let love compel you to speak their language. Now, I'll, Maybe you're in here and, and you, you've been saying, Pastor Josh, this is all great and, and dandy and stuff. Um, but you know what? I've, I've never actually experienced that love that you're talking about. And unfortunately, sometimes the church is known, not our church, but sometimes the church in, on, on you know, general uh, is known for critiquing, is known for judging, is known for, for you know, showing more what we're against than what we're for. And maybe you're here and you're saying, Pastor Josh, I've never seen that love in action. And I want to say, I'm sorry. Because Jesus came to show you love. Jesus came to help you experience his love firsthand. And that is his greatest gift. His greatest mission was to bring you into a loving relationship with him. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas, or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.